I would say, first of all, to write for you. There can be a definite attraction to writing for the market. You see kind of an influx of what's selling right now, and a lot of it is not based on a biblical worldview. A lot of it, the, the secular market, is just contrary to God's truth. And it can be very tempting to compromise yourself, maybe hide your faith a little bit and write that secular fiction just because you are dying for that publishing contract. We'll talk about this and much more today. Welcome to a Writer's Day podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my podcast. I'm so glad to have you here today. It's another beautiful day in sunny Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm glad to be talking about writing. I started this podcast a few years ago for listeners like you, people who want to learn more about writing, how to draft a story that moves readers, and to learn more from best-selling published authors. So welcome. My name is Ruth Douthit, and I'm an award-winning multi-published author. If you like this podcast, please consider following me and subscribing so that you'll get updates as to new episodes about to release. And speaking of new releases, my next book in the Elves of Olgard series releases in October. So be sure to sign up for my newsletter over at my website, artbyruth.com. For more information about how to join my Dragon Riders launch team, about book giveaways, and when Dragon Riders comes out. She has been writing since middle school and eventually earned a master's degree in journalism. But after covering local news, that's when she realized writing fiction is much better for the soul and definitely more fun. Jennifer L. Wright joins me today to talk about her newest book, Come Down Somewhere, and fans of World War II fiction like myself will love this powerful novel about two young women coming of age during World War II. So, you know the drill. Grab your favorite beverage, a comfortable chair, kick back and relax as we listen to Jennifer L. Wright talk about her new book. Hello, everyone. Welcome to my podcast. I know that you have a choice as to which podcast you want to listen to, so I am honored that you have chosen to listen to a Writer's Day podcast. And today I'll be talking with Jennifer L. Wright about her new book. So welcome, Jennifer. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. So why don't you begin by telling us a little about yourself and then, you know, and how you became a published author. And then we're going to talk about your new book, Come Down Somewhere. Sure. Well, uh, my background is actually in journalism. Um, I got my master's in journalism from Indiana University. I'm from Indiana. Um, worked as a reporter for NPR and also for a local newspaper for about six months and I hated it. <laughs> I just absolutely hated it. It just, it wasn't a good fit for me. Um, 
so luckily at that point, I ended up, I, I got married. My husband's in the Air Force, so we ended up moving overseas. So traveled for a while. When we came back to the States, I gave birth to my son. So I was a stay-at-home parent and still had that desire to write. So I thought, let's try writing a book. Um, so I did. Uh, it did not end up going anywhere. Wrote another book. That book didn't end up going anywhere. So I actually wrote for a steady 10 years uh, before I signed with Tyndale. Wow. Yeah. Now, is creative writing something you've done since you were a child or? Yes. Uh, I used to write stories that would fill up a notebook uh, in junior high and I would pass them around to my friends. And the funny thing is just uh, a few weeks ago, I went home and visited my parents for the first time since COVID hit. It's been a few years. Uh, so I hadn't been home since I'd been a published author and they still had all of those old notebooks from my junior high stories. So oh, it was wow. so fun to go back and look at those and just see the passion was there at age 13 and also to see my growth as a writer. Oh, that is so neat. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's special. It really now, was. To go from writing stories to journalism, how did that happen? Uh, you know, I just, People talk like it's really, really different, but I've really found that the skills that I learned in journalism school have just fit right in with fiction writing. There's still the same kind of research. Um, authenticity is huge to me. I wanna make sure I have my, fa my facts right. I wanna make sure that I'm doing justice to the people that actually live through the events that I'm writing about. And so while, for example, with Come Down Somewhere, while Olive and Joe are absolutely fictional characters, the Trinity test was a real event that affected real people. And I wanted to be able to be as authentic as possible. So my journalism skills came into that when I was researching all the effects of the atomic bomb. Mm. And I've heard that before. I have another friend who's a <clears throat> published author and she was went to journalism school too. So I think that you hit the nail right on the head that that background of asking the questions, even if it's just on inside your mind, the who, what, where, when, why, that's fascinating. So you brought up World War II. What made you want to write a story set in World War II? Uh, I'm actually, uh, you know, I tend to gravitate more towards the Great Depression, the 1930s. My first novel was set in the Dust Bowl. The one coming up after this is set in the late 1920s. I tend to gravitate toward that time period. Um, but I actually live in Southern New Mexico, less than a hundred miles from where the Trinity test occurred. So when my family and I moved here in 2014, it, I was blown away by how much I didn't know about the Trinity test. You hear about it and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, they tested the bomb and then they dropped it. It was not something that just happened and then it was over with. The people that lived here that lived around this test, they're still dealing with the effects over 75 years later. Um, and so I just felt like God was putting me here because he wanted me to tell this story. I've heard that the effects also <clears throat> are long lasting in Nevada too, from all their tests. Yes, the, the difference is, is that the people in Nevada um, have been compensated and recognized by the government for some reason, the people here in New Mexico have not still 75 years later. Mm. Um, they're still fighting for it. They're still, they, they just want recognition. They just want the government to finally acknowledge and recognize we went through this, you know, and, and we've suffered because of it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure what's keeping it up. I know it's tied up in some legislation right now, but we're, we're really hoping that they can get some justice. Mm. 
So you said that you usually typically write in the 30s, you know, Great Depression era, the Dust mm -hmm. Bowl. What makes you want to write in that era? I just think it's a kind of an overlooked time period as far as historical fiction goes. We have a, a lot of a lot of World War II fiction, um, and then we I think we're starting to get more World War One fiction. Um, and I think that kind of time period in between there just kind of gets overlooked because you did have these two huge world events and there's just not as much focus on what happened in between. But it's it's a fascinating time period. The, the strength that those people had to withstand what they, especially in the Dust Bowl, going through an ecological disaster as well as the Great Depression at the same time. Uh, the strength that those people had, I, I just think it needs to be recognized. And I, I try to shout it from the rooftop. Those people are my heroes. It's it's just amazing. Amazing, the ingenuity and the way that they survived. Mm, I agree. My husband's grandparents used to often tell us stories of their time in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. surviving the Dust Bowl and then the Great Depression and moving out here. So, yeah, I I love listening to those stories. Um, now they're all gone. You know, my grandparents right. are gone. My husband's grandparents are gone. So it's important that novelists like yourself keep that going. But, I mean, it's called the Great Depression. <laughs> How can you get a, happy, a story with a happy ending out of that? Have you been able to, to do that? Well, and that's, I, I would say that that's one of the biggest things that I hear about my, <laughs> my work is that it's heavy. And I say, well, it's the Great Depression. <laughs> um, but I do find what is amazing about it is that, yes, it was such a hard time, but you talk to the survivors and they have really good memories. They had hope and they have, they look back on it with a feeling of nostalgia look at what we did. And there are some ways in which it was almost better. You know, the family units were, were perhaps stronger. There was a greater sense of community. There were good things that came through those struggles. And I also think, at least my pers personally in my life, I see God shine the brightest in those hard times. And I think that it just naturally ties in when you have such a hard time period to weave a story of faith through that, because those are the stories that matter. People that hang on to their faith, despite what's happening in their circumstances. It's it's definitely inspiring. That's for sure. Yes. And that old yes. saying, hard times make strong men. And that led us into, you know, the World War II era. So... Did that kind of inspire you as well? The strength of the people during the World War II era? I mean, that was kind of thrust on us with Pearl Harbor and everything. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, it, you know, it's, I wanted to focus a lot on the home front. You know, it, it was absolutely brutal for the soldiers, but I'm a military spouse myself. Um, I've had a husband who's gone off to war. Thankfully, we have the technology that we were able to to communicate during that time. But I think of these people that were just sitting at home had no idea what was happening to their loved ones and they're holding everything together. I mean, that that's an amazingly difficult time. And especially, uh, for example, in Come Down Somewhere, the one of the main characters, Olive, their, <clears throat> excuse me, their family lost their land for the war effort, their only source of income because they needed it to have a testing site for the bomb. That's based on a real actual, there were several ranchers in this area mm -hmm. that lost their land. Mm -hmm. So the sacrifices that people, fictional people like Olive made for the war effort is just an amazing, an amazing strength. Mm, that is so true. Uh, my husband's grandparents were married in November of 1941. And he had joined the 
National Guard because he had a sense that war was coming. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to enlist and choose the branch he wanted to. So he joined the National Guard. And then the next month, you know, Pearl Harbor. So yep. <laughs> you just got to <laughs> admire people like that, that, yes. that uh, fortitude. Now, let's talk about this book, Come Down Somewhere. Where did you get the title from? What's, what does that mean? That's actually one of my favorite tidbits about the book. Uh, the title came from uh, a quote from one of the physicians that uh, helped work on the test site. They were there to make sure that basically that there was no health or safety issues among the people who were building the test site, who dropped the bomb. They were the, So they were there monitoring it when the bomb was dropped. And one of them remarked, they sent the mushroom cloud up in the air and forgot that it had to come down somewhere. So really the focus of the book is on the literal fallout from the bomb, as well as the fallout of secrets and lies and betrayals that happen in our lives. So I I just thought that was a really fitting title coming from that quote. Mm, It is powerful. Now tell us about your protagonist, Olive. So Olive is a very spunky 15-year-old. She lives with her mother and her brother and her uncle on their ranch uh, in southern New Mexico. And when we meet her at the beginning of the novel, the army has just requisitioned their family's land um, for reasons that they won't tell them. Um, They've requisitioned half of the land for their purposes, whereas the family are allowed to stay in a very small outbuilding on another part of it. But Olive is being sent away. She's being sent to live with her grandmother in Alamogordo, which is about 50, 60 miles away from her parents' ranch. And she's very bitter about it. She doesn't quite understand why no one seems to want her help with the war effort. She really feels like she doesn't matter and no one cares about her. And she really has a very large chip on her shoulders. A 15-year-old, right? (laughs) Yes. We know what it's like to be a 15-year-old girl. So just everything that that encompasses. But then put that back in World War II era and the additional stress of world problems coming on top of that. So that's how you get all of. And all that uncertainty, too. I couldn't even imagine that. So as you research this event, this nuclear bomb test, did you find, did you unearth anything that really shocked you or was it right on point to what you kind of already knew about the incident? I think what surprised me the most was just how little afterthought the scientists gave to afterwards. Mm. They were very, and I mean, I guess I understand that their focus was on the bomb. They wanted to build the bomb. They've been contracted to build the bomb. They wanted to make sure that it succeeded but they really had no grasp about long-term effects after the bomb exploded. Um, They did monitor the mushroom cloud, but they really had no idea which way it was going to go, which way it's gonna drift, where that radiation's going to fall down and what effect that's going to have. They chose this area because it was quote unquote uninhabited, but there were several hundred people still living in this area that unfortunately, the radiation came down on it. And I don't believe that it was anything malicious. They just simply didn't know or understand at the time. Isn't that tragic? You think that they would have fought the cause and effect, you know, the 
the effect on the dirt, you know, the soil and not just the air, but how it would affect future, you know, you know, planting and, and the crops and such, but no foresight whatsoever, huh? Wow. Nope. They, well, they sent, they ended up, you know, it was a se- several months after it, they ended up sending a, t- a team of scientists out and they would monitor it. And they were kind of noticing, oh, this radiation's not going down. <laughs> it's actually spreading. I don't know if you've ever been to New Mexico, but it's very windy here. And so it's in the particles those particles are going airborne and they're spreading hundreds of miles all the time. It's seeping into the groundwater. It's getting into the plant life, all of that stuff. I just don't think they really, they just didn't understand exactly the long-term consequences that were going Mm -hmm. to arise from this. That's so true. And even watching, you know, the documentaries and the shows about Chernobyl and you see how even the animals, they had to go around killing the animals yes. because of all the spread. So now, of course, we know. And so we we have hindsight, you know, as 2020. Right, exactly. But you're, that's brilliant that you're going back to that time and realizing you have to write the actual response back then, not what we know right. now, and then put it on your characters. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and that's what, you know, I, I want to be careful because I, I don't want the scientists to, to seem like bad people because I don't think they were. There was just a lack of information. Realize this was the first atomic weapon tested anywhere at any time ever. And they just, they've learned from it since then. But unfortunately, this community that I live in now, we were kind of the guinea pigs of what happened. So, And it's all about discovery. You know, same right. thing with landing on the moon. They really had no idea what they were going to experience and what they might bring back. Right. So <laughs> that is the um, the downfall of discovery, you know? Yes, and for sure. Einstein had no idea what he was opening up. <laughs> right. <laughs> he did what he did, right? Yes, exactly. Now, faith in God, how were you able to incorporate that into your story? Come down somewhere. You know, I think it's I think it's the same kind of the same thing that we talked about earlier where it was obviously a very hard time. I see God very brightly in those hard moments. I think that's when he shines the brightest. Um, but also one of the underlying themes of the novel is this desire to matter and to belong and to feel like you're important. And, you know, unfortunately, the world's not always going to give you that. The world's going to tell you the exact opposite. You have to find your true identity in Christ because that is that is where you're always going to find where you belong. Mm. Um, and so that's how I tried to weave in, you know, this important truth that even if the world makes you feel like you don't matter, you matter to God. Mm. That's so true. And it was such an, a scary time. The whole world mm-hmm. and faith was pretty much all they had, you know, to rely upon mm-hmm. at that time. That's wonderful. So what is your writing process and how did writing this book differ from your debut novel, If It Rains? Uh, This book was a lot more challenging to write because I started writing this book in March of 2020. Um, (laughs) We all know exactly what was happening in the world in March of 2020. I'm normally a very solitary writer. Um, I take my kids to school um, and I write for a good solid couple hours in the morning, I usually have a a word goal that I strive to meet before I stand up out of that chair. But I need, I just need solitude. When I write, I need to be able to focus. And suddenly, 
March of 2020, I'm homeschooling two kids and sharing an office with a husband who's working from home. And it was really difficult. There was times I did not think this book was going to be written. Uh, it was only by the grace of God that I was able to turn this book in on time. I will tell you that. Well, he wanted you to write it. And sometimes when we struggle the most, that's when the absolute best comes out of us. So, Yes, for sure. For sure. So historical moments, are there any other historical moments you're interested in writing about in the future? Uh, well, my next book uh, that's tentatively scheduled for summer of 2023 is a Bonnie and Clyde centric story. Um, again, I just, wow. I love that era, uh, you know, the late 1920s, early 1930s. So that I would say is probably the most fun I've ever had writing a book. I'm really, really excited for that oh, one. It was just wow. a blast to research and a blast to write. Mm, I love that. They had a show on Netflix a few, a couple of years ago about Bonnie and Clyde. That I think was such an unusual time <laughs> in our history because right. you had these horrible criminals just venerated and became right. idol, idolized like movie stars. Right. Oh, yes. that's going to be fun. That is really yeah. neat. I look forward to reading that. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about that one. Um, and it was, you know, doing my research about Bonnie and Clyde, it was really just, just terribly tragic. Um, you know, they, they were both raised in Christian homes. Um, people that traveled with them said that they prayed every night. Uh, and yet, they, they killed people. I mean, there's no other way to, to put it. People kind of idolize them and see them as heroes, but they were murderers. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was just a fascinating thing to research. And I, I'm really excited about that book. Neat. That's really neat. I remember asking my mom uh, about uh, Bonnie and Clyde and then John Dillinger. And mm -hmm. she just, you know, was a little kid in the 1940s, early 1940s. And she said, I remember reading the magazines and they were just so famous, these people. So mm -hmm. my dogs are barking. Let me see if That's they're right. calming down. <laughs> so what's next? Uh, the Bonnie and Clyde book. Do you have a title for it? or uh, It's called The Girl from the Papers. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I said, it's tentatively scheduled for summer 2023. So okay. just starting on edits for that one. And like I said, I'm, I'm very excited about this one. That's great. So imagine you have a new writer in front of you who is kind of doubting, kind of struggling, what advice would you give this writer to keep going to weather the storms? I would say, first of all, to write for you. Um, there can be a definite attraction to writing for the market. Um, you see kind of an influx of what's selling right now. And a lot of it is not based on a biblical worldview. A lot of it, uh, a lot of the, the secular market is just contrary to God's truth. And it can be very tempting to kind of compromise yourself, maybe hide your faith a little bit and write that secular fiction just because you are dying for that publishing contract. Um, I know that I was tempted to do that as well. But at the end of the day, you have to recognize that if, if you have a passion for writing, it's something that God gave you. God gave you this gift, God gave you this passion, and it is there for a reason, and that reason is to glorify Him. So I would just encourage you to continue to write for you, for God's glory, for His honor, and for truth. Mm, that's so special. Thank you for that. That is so true. I've seen so many posts like on Instagram and stuff saying, 
you know, write to the market. That's the way to do it. See what's out there and write to that. And, but you're right. If you don't follow your heart, follow what God is giving you, that story, you know, that he's just really laid on your heart. It'll never be satisfying. Right. And you know, if there's no guarantee even that, okay, well, this is selling right now. By the time you finish your book in a year or two, the market's going to have changed anyway. <laughs> so just be true to what God is telling you to write. Mm, that is so true. Well, thank you, Jennifer L. Wright, for coming on my podcast today to talk about your new book, Come Down Somewhere. We are so excited for this book to come out. When does it come out again? It releases September 6th. Yes, excellent. So excited for that. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to talk with me and my listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Wow, wasn't that interesting learning so much about what happened in World War II with the nuclear bomb test? I had no idea. I really enjoyed listening to Jennifer L. Wright discuss her writing journey and her new book. I hope that you've been encouraged, again, by listening to an author who overcame obstacles to become published and best-selling. You can find more information about Jennifer at her website and more about her book, Come Down Somewhere. Remember, always keep going forward on this writing journey, one step at a time. And until next time, God bless.